Appreciate you guys. Glad to have those who are joining us by way of stream as well. If you have your bulletin, I want to encourage you to get out your sermon notes. Always good to jot down. There'll be some blanks in there, but also to jot down anything that God gives you. Well, Bob kept me updated a little bit on Senegal. He would send me texts and videos and various things. And uh, anyway, these are some of the pics of our group over there in Senegal. And so they should be back tonight about 6.30. And so anyway, continue to pray for them. I think they all did get out of Senegal, had a great time. And so next week, we hope to hear some testimonies, some things that happened over there. This middle picture, actually, Kurt Keller sent me and said, pray for us. Bob looks like he's in trouble with the law. <laughs> and of course, if you know Bob, I, I text back and go, man, we have been praying about starting a prison ministry overseas. <laughs> Who better than our missions pastor? And so anyway, I got kind of, I said, I hope it wasn't real because I text back. But anyway, so anyway, we're looking forward to hearing from them. It was always uh, good. So we're looking forward to a great report. So anyway, every year we celebrate certain days. And it, uh, if you've come here very much over the years about Thanksgiving into Christmas, I usually take a time other Sunday or two and talk about some of the feast of the Jewish calendar. Because the last feast of the Jewish calendar kind of corresponds to our Thanksgiving and Christmas. And so some days, again, January 1st is always... New Year's, all right, if you're not sure, just ask somebody around you, all right? So anyway, February 14th is always Valentine's. Guys, you might, might want to mark that down. You got a few months, so make sure you don't forget, all right? Then July 4th is always Independence Day, July 4th, all right? December 13th is always, oh, that's my wife's birthday. That's why I put it down. Anyway, that's for me to remember. It's not a national holiday. That's Brenda's birthday. Uh, by the way, she turns, I shouldn't say this, but she turns 60 this year. All right, 60. Woo, she joins the 60. I, all the 60s were excited. All right, December 25th is always Christmas. Christmas. Every year, we celebrate every year. You know, usually the fourth Thursday in November, we have a two-day holiday. How many of you ever got tired of that four-day weekend? How many of you just got tired of that? You know, all these... Uh, again, these uh, feasts that we celebrate happen year after year. Well, in the Bible, there are seven feasts that God gives the children of Israel. And people have said to me, well, Pastor, these are given to the, the Jewish people. And it is true that he gave them to the Jewish people. But I believe that we are permitted to obviously celebrate. And I believe that one of them we're all going to be involved in for a long time. And we're going to talk about that. But in Leviticus 23, that's a book of the Bible we often don't read a lot. It has a lot of uh, rules and regulations, a lot of different things in the book of Leviticus. But in chapter 23, God gives us seven feasts that every year they were to celebrate. Year after year, after year. And there's a good reason for that. And so it says in uh, Leviticus 23, 2, the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations. These are my feast. And so again, people say, well, do they belong to the Jewish people? I believe they belong to God. God says they're my feast. He obviously encouraged them to celebrate, and there's a reason for them to celebrate the feast. The word feast there just means divine appointments. And so these were very important to God, these particular feasts. All right, so on the front of your notes, you'll have this picture. There were seven feasts that they were to celebrate every single year. Four were in the spring, 
Three were in the fall. And so the spring feasts were Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, and Pentecost. Now, how many of you know, even though they celebrated those for hundreds of years, who would have ever dreamed when Jesus came the first time, he fulfilled all four of these spring feasts. He died exactly on Passover. Isn't that interesting? They had been celebrating for years. Who would have ever dreamed that when he died, it was exactly on Passover? When he rose from the grave, it was on first fruits. When the Holy Spirit came, it was on the day of Pentecost, exactly according to the calendar that God had given. Now, I want to give you my opinion here. This is just an opinion, all right? If he fulfilled all four of those in his first coming, I have a hunch when he comes back the second time, he's going to fulfill the three fall feasts. Now, that's just my opinion, my opinion. But anyway, we'll find out. So in between the spring and the fall, there is the summer harvest. And these seven feasts kind of give us a prophetic calendar as well. And I believe we're living in that summer harvest. One day, he's coming back. And so the three fall feasts they were to celebrate every year, first of all, was trumpets, all right? And then the second was atonement, the day of atonement, and the third was Sukkot, our tabernacles. So all, th all three of these fall feasts, I believe, have a hint about him coming again. All right? And by the way, three of these feasts, he required all the Jewish males to come back to Jerusalem. All right? And you remember which three they were. You can circle them on your notes. All right? Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. These were the three that they required all the Jews to come back to Jerusalem. There was something about these three they wanted to celebrate together. And Passover, by the way, how many remember the story in Luke chapter 2 where Jesus went to Jerusalem with his parents when he was 12 years old, and that's when they left him at the temple? That is a great story. How many of you have ever left your kids at church? We have, all right? But it was their fault. Amen, it was their fault. But anyway, we did leave our daughter. We thought we left our daughter, but actually there was somebody here graciously taking care of her, but we thought she went with Ryan because Ryan was going. But anyway, that's a long story. I won't tell you. But anyway, 12 years old, he went to uh, Jerusalem, and the Bible says the reason his family went to Jerusalem, as they did every year, the Bible says, Passover. So the reason he went as a 12-year-old, he was going with his family to celebrate Passover. That tells me that Jesus observed, he grew up in a Jewish home, they celebrated these feasts. And so their family, as he grew up, he went to Jerusalem for these three feasts. By the way, the tabernacles, there was a place in the New Testament in the Gospels where Jesus traveled back to Jerusalem to celebrate tabernacles. Does anybody remember where it's at? Kind of a trivia question. It's in John chapter 7. All right, John 7, it says there was the Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. His brother said to him, aren't you going back for the feast? At first he said he was going to wait, but then he went on up there. And it was at the Feast of Tabernacles as he went up every year. It was a last day, the Bible says, the last day, the great day of the feast, when Jesus stood up, I believe, at the water pouring ceremony, and he cried out and said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. It was at the Feast of Tabernacles. I just want you to know that he himself practiced these feasts. He himself observed these feasts. Because again, as you study these feasts, 
All of these feasts point us to Jesus. All of these feasts point us to God and his sufficiency for us. If you've ever heard anyone like uh, someone from Jews for Jesus or apple of his eye come and give a presentation on Jesus in the Passover, literally every aspect of the Passover, every little detail points to Jesus. And as you study these seven feasts, they really are a wealth of understanding and just a wealth of inspiration about God's love for us. All right? So this year on September 25th through 27th, that probably came and went for most of us, unless you had a birthday or anniversary in there. But in the Jewish calendar this year, this was the Feast of Trumpets. All right? So again, now in their calendar, what we say is two days is only one day for them, all right? So the Day of Atonement for them was one day. For us, it was two days. You say, why? Because their days go from 6 o'clock p.m. to 6 o'clock p.m. the next day. So if you're ever over in Jerusalem when they're having Shabbat or the Sabbath, Sabbath doesn't start on Saturday at midnight. Shabbat or Sabbath starts at 6.01 p.m. on Friday night. And it ends at 6 o'clock on Saturday night. And so if you're ever over there at 6.01 on Saturday night, all the shops open up. All right? But you say, where do they get the idea to go from evening to evening? God. I just want to remind you that if you go back to creation, every time God created everything, the Bible says that evening and morning were the first day. Evening and morning were the second day. And so in Jewish culture, they still hold that evening to evening. So this year, again, on, the, on our calendar, it was September 25th through 27th, they had the Feast of Trumpets, all right? A little trivia question, where's the only place in the Bible that records the Feast of Trumpets being celebrated? They were to celebrate every year, but there's one place in the Bible that specifically talks about it. I gave you the reference there, but not the book of the Bible, and it's in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 2. This is when Ezra the priest got the law, and he read it before the people from morning until midday. How many of you would be excited to get to church at 8 o'clock and just hear me stand up and read the Bible for four hours? Hey, the spiritual thing to do is say me, all right? Let's say me. Even though that would be tough. That would be tough to listen to four hours. But from morning to midday, Ezra stood up and he read the scripture. And the Bible says, the ears of the people were attentive. And all the people answered, amen, amen. That's why I don't think they were Baptists, all right? But anyway, it's okay to amen. You're not amen in the preacher. You're amen in the word of God. Amen means so be it. Let it be so. And when you hear truth from the word of God, you can amen it. And so they, amen, amen. And then the Bible says they all raised their hands. And then the Bible says they got on their face to worship. That was on the day of the Feast of Trumpets in the Old Testament. It was a time of worship to God. And most of these feasts, by the way, there was a lot of food and a lot of fellowship. How many of you like food and fellowship? But one of the feasts every year was a solemn day, and that was the Day of Atonement. In our calendar, it was October 4th and 5th of this year. Again, for them, it was one day. It's two days in ours because it goes from evening to evening. But back on October 4th and 5th was Yom Kippur, all right, or the Day of Atonement. On this day, they were to fast. It was a solemn day that they were to, to pull back 
and to be broken over sin. Now again, I would rather feast than fast. I'm just being honest. But there are times that we do need to step back and be broken over sin. And so the Day of Atonement was that day of brokenness before God as they, again, were repentant of their sin. And then on October 9th through the 16th of this year was the last of the feast in the Jewish calendar. And it was the Feast of Tabernacles, or in the Hebrew, it's Sukkot. All right, everybody say Sukkot. Uh, easy to pronounce, Sue and Coat. It was the Feast of Tabernacles. It would begin on the 15th day of the seventh month. So again, I believe, this is just my opinion, I believe if Jesus fulfilled all of the spring feasts in his first coming, it would not surprise me. It would not surprise me if he came back in the rapture on the Feast of Trumpets. That would not surprise me. Because everything he did in his first coming was exactly according to these feasts. Now you say, well, the Bible says we don't know the day or the hour. And we don't know the day or the hour because every year they fall on a different day depending on when the moon hits. So we still don't know the day or the hour. I'm just telling you, it would not surprise me at all these years we're celebrating these feasts if God has given us an outline of his prophetic calendar. One day he's coming again. One day, he's going to set up a kingdom and rule and reign for a thousand years. And the reason I love to specifically talk about the Feast of Tabernacles, it's the last of the feast, and I believe gives us a picture of that millennial reign of Christ. So there are various names given to this feast, all right, to Sukkot. The Bible calls it in Exodus, it's the Feast of Ingathering, because it really was a feast where family and friends came together, a lot like our Thanksgiving. A lot of family, a lot of friends, a lot of craziness. I mean, it was a time to come together and to have a lot of fun and fellowship. Back in the book of 1 Kings, it's just simply referred to as the feast. It was so important, it was just referred to as the feast. It really was one of the most important and the last on the calendar year. According to Jewish tradition, they referred to it as the season of our rejoicing. It was a time to rejoice. It was a happy celebration, the Feast of Tabernacles. It's also referred to in Hebrew as Sukkot, our Feast of Tabernacles, our booths. Now you may say, well, well, why would we want to celebrate? Why would we, you know, the fact is they're celebrating the time the children of Israel was for 40 years. And they lived in little tents. They called them sukkahs. And so during this festival, they were to go out and live in these little huts to remember that 40-year wandering in the wilderness. You say, well, what does that have to do with us today? You know, Paul said in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians, these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. So I believe there are lessons that we can learn from the children of Israel. As we're in about a month going to celebrate Christmas, the fact that, that God came down, Jesus took on an earth suit and dwelt among us. Back in the Old Testament, God came down and tabernacled with the children of Israel through that 40-year wilderness journey. I just want to remind you how much God loves you. He loves you so much, he wants to come down and tabernacle with us. Not just tabernacle alongside of us, but as we've been studying the Holy Spirit, he wants to come and take up residence in your earth suit. 
That really is phenomenal, the love of God. So what are some lessons from Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles? I just want to give you a few today. And so first of all, it was an eight-day celebration, all right? It was an eight-day celebration. It literally is a seven-day uh, feast, but they added on a day. Let's read from Leviticus 23. You shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. On the first day, there shall be a Sabbath rest, and on the eighth day, a Sabbath rest. So it was a seven-day feast, but they added on an eighth day of Sabbath rest. So it began with a Sabbath, it ended with a Sabbath, and one of the things about that Sabbath rest is it has us to step back and just rest a little bit and focus on God. You know, we live in a crazy, busy world. Sometimes the best thing we can do is take a step back from all the hustle and bustle and just love on God. For me, one of the hardest things is to step back and just be still and just to enjoy God. You know, when God created Adam and Eve in the very beginning, if you remember, he created Adam and Eve on the sixth day. So Adam and Eve's very first day on this earth, very first full day was the seventh day or the Sabbath. Isn't that kind of crazy? Their very first full day on earth, they just got to sit back and enjoy the Lord. I want to just encourage you to learn during this holiday season to take some time and step back and just love on God and just to enjoy the Lord. So this particular feast, again, began with a Sabbath, ended with a Sabbath. It was an eight-day feast. How many of you would love to have an eight-day holiday today? That would be pretty amazing, all right? It was an eight-day holiday. How many of you remember the song by the Beatles called Eight Days a Week? That was back when you were backslidden. I know you don't listen to that now. I listened to some of the Beatles. I was a little bitty when the Beatles became big. My sisters were teenagers. They were all into the Beatles, but I just kind of was at a distance. But they have a song called Eight Days a Week, which doesn't make sense because there's only seven days in a week. What's eight days in a week? Well, it goes on. Some of the lyrics say this. Eight days a week, I love you. Eight days a week is not enough to show I care. Guys, you need to write that down. That's romantic. Man, there isn't enough time. If I had eight days, it wouldn't be enough to show you how much I care. Joey, you need to write that down. Use that one, baby. And so why eight days? You know, the number eight, by the way, is the number for eternity. Because again, I believe throughout all eternity, the Feast of Tabernacles, because it's the last feast, because it's eight days, I think it's a reminder of part of what we're going to experience throughout all eternity. That's why I enjoy studying the Feast of Tabernacles. And so the, the symbol for eternity is really a sideways eight. Because again, if you follow it, it, there's literally no end. And I shared with you guys a little while back when I went to my doctor, uh, my nurse at the desk, she has a figure eight tattooed on her forearm. And she had her name and her dad's name. Her dad had died fairly young, and so she wanted to show that forever her love and how much she appreciated her dad throughout all eternity. And I said to her, that's, that's a sign for eternity, for eternity. And she goes, yeah, I know that. Most of the time when I preach, people say, I know that. I knew that. But I'm just reminding you. I'm just reminding you. All right? And so it's a symbol for eternity. Number two, it's not only a time to step back and to spend eight days celebrating. It's a time that we're to rejoice. You know, the, again, the Day of Atonement was a very solemn day, a very broken day, a day of fasting. 
But the last season of the month, the last feast, was the time to eat, to drink, to be merry, and to rejoice. Listen to what the Bible says in Leviticus 23. You shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of the beautiful trees. And so they would take these etrogs. They look like ginormous lemons, but they would take those representing all the fruit that God provided. And then they would take various branches of trees, branches of the palm trees, branches of the leafy trees, and of the willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. So they were literally commanded to rejoice and to be happy. And so they would put these branches together, which represented the various trees. And again, the provision of God. We have Thanksgiving, a time to give thanks to God. And as someone has said, we should have one day set aside a year to grumble and complain and be thankful the other 364. Instead of having one day set aside to be thankful. Can I just tell you, we are so blessed. I know there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of heartache. But I just want to tell you, God is so faithful. And so they would put these branches together along with this, this piece of fruit. And they would literally wave them before God. They started with little children. Little children would pick these up and they would throw them. They would have a lot of fun with them. One year I ordered a lulav, which is all these branches together with the fruit. I ordered it thinking I was going to get something plastic that I could use year after year after year. They sent me a real one. And it was totally worn out by Sunday. I couldn't even hardly use it one week. But anyway, they would put these together and they would wave them to the south. They would wave them to the east. They would wave them to the north. They would wave them to the west. And literally, they would just wave them before God as a way of saying to God, thank you, thank you, thank you. I tell you, if we this year could just step back and just really give God thanks and appreciation. I believe during the millennial reign of Christ, by the way, I don't know everything we're going to do, but I think it's going to be high octane. I think there's going to be a lot of rejoicing and a lot of worship and praise, all right? And so they said this. Now, I, I don't have a lulab to give everyone. That's what they call this bundle. But I want you if, you, if you're here, if you have a wallet, I think I got a wallet. I got to figure out where I put it. Everybody get your wallet out, or ladies, if you have a purse, a coin purse, if you don't have anything, just grab a piece of paper, all right? I'm not going to take an offering, but what I want us to do, I want this wallet to represent everything God has given us. And I just want us to take a minute, as they did in Jewish culture, and if you're able to, and if you're not, please stay seated, but if you're able to, stand for just a minute. Let's all stand together. If you have your, your billfold, if you have a purse, anything that you want to hold up, I want this to represent everything God has blessed us with. If I could really hold up my blessings, I would hold up my, my family. But I couldn't do that. But I just want us to wave these before God and just take a moment today and just say thanks to God. Because He has blessed us abundantly above all that we really deserve. So let's say, and this is what they would say to God. I love this picture. This looks like Easton, by the way. I don't know if Easton is here, but it looks like a little Easton. 
but I love how they involve the children in praise and worship. All right, so let's just kind of wave it before the Lord, and let's say what they would say as they would wave their lulab before the Lord. Let's, let's say together, our praise to you, eternal God, sovereign of all. You hollow us with your word and command us to dwell in the sukkah. Our praise to you, eternal God, sovereign of all, whose word teaches us holiness and who instructs us to take up the lulav. And so they would just worship God and be thankful. And you may be seated. I appreciate you doing that. And so I believe there's a time in church to be broken over sin. But I believe there's a time in church to really let go and just rejoice and be glad and just love on God. You know, I think we ought to leave the worship service exhausted because we've given God 100%. If there's anywhere we ought to be excited, it should be in worshiping God. And if our focus is on God, again, that's what this whole particular feast was about. I shared last year, I think, I saw this actually on a church marquee, and it says, church is a lifeboat, not a party boat. And I've had people tell me, Pastor, you shouldn't get happy in church. God wants us to look like we've been sucking green persimmons. Now, I think there's a time to be broken. I do. But there's a time to rejoice. There's a time to cut loose and give it 100%. And this feast is that time. This feast is that time that we're to give God everything we have. I kind of like, remember when David brought the ark back in 1 Chronicles 15? The Bible says he was, they were playing music. They were singing with all of their might. They were giving it everything they had. He was so excited. The Bible says his wife looked at him. His wife got upset because he was dancing. She was Southern Baptist, amen? But anyway, she was, now I don't think he was doing the funky chicken. I think he was so happy. He was walking and leaping and praising God. And man, if we can somehow forget all the tradition of how we're supposed to act and just get so happy in Jesus that we just let go. I believe one day that's gonna, it's gonna, how it's going to be. One day there's going to be a celebration. That's why I think it should say this. Church is a lifeboat that should become a party boat. How many of you are still glad you came? Looking a little bit nervous. By the way, I kind of laugh when I talk to people that don't know anything about Baptists. And they say, are you guys holy rollers? I said, you haven't been to a Baptist church, have you, for a while? Now, I don't think they were dancing like this, by the way. But I think it probably looked more like this. How many of you ever been in Jewish culture? If you ever get a chance to go to Jerusalem, hopefully you can get over there when they're having a bar mitzvah or some kind of a celebration. They get crazy. I mean, they are dancing, they're celebrating, they're throwing candy, they're blowing the shofar. I mean, they lose all dignity. I long for that day that we could just get free. You know, Psalms 150 verse 4 says, praise him with the dance. I think there's a time to be still. But there's also a time to shout unto the Lord with the voice of triumph. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to mourn and there is a time to dance. Now, I'm not a dancer, by the way, so I don't have a problem with Baptists not liking dancing. I don't dance. But I, I, I just want to tell you, when we really, 
In Luke chapter 15, remember when the prodigal son came back, the father got so excited, and we often picture this as someone getting saved. When the elder son came back, if you remember, he heard music and dancing. I'm going to tell you, when you can hear people dancing, it's loud and obnoxious. Wouldn't it be great some Sunday for things to break loose and people get so free in God? They just literally began to walk and leap and praise God. Some of you are saying, I hope it doesn't happen today. I, hope it doesn't. I think that day's coming. I really do. And I know I'm not that person naturally to do it, but I think, again, when we really understand that story of the prodigal son, that God the Father was so excited about having that prodigal back, they literally were singing and dancing. I want to tell you, heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. It's a shame that sometimes we've gotten so dignified we forgot to let go and to let God. By the way, I sing really good in my car. I sing loud. And I am absolutely awesome. How many of you sing good in your car? But somehow when I get out of the car, it's not the same. But man, when I'm in my car, windows are up, and I'm driving down the road, I mean, I sing loud. One day, we're just going to cut loose and just sing. I love Ron Spurgeon here, by the way. Ron, who pastors the, the coffee shop, they have a Sunday night service, and he said he puts headphones on. He leads the worship. He said, I cannot sing a lick, but I sing as loud as I can. I've got to sneak down there one day and video it. I love this guy, man. He just says, I'm going to give God everything I have. That really is the Feast of Tabernacles. I hope this year, as you're celebrating Thanksgiving, Man, enjoy your family, enjoy your friends, enjoy all the great things God has given you. But I hope at some point you can step back and just thank God. And we need to teach our children how to be thankful. That's one thing I love about Jewish culture, man. They start with their little bitty children and they teach them how to worship God and how to celebrate with joy. Third thing here, it's a permanent law. And again, you may say, well, this is for the Jewish people. And I understand that it was given to the Jewish people. But I think we also, it's okay for us to celebrate and to join in. It says, this is a permanent law for you and it must be observed in the appointed month from generation to generation. And again, even Jesus observed all of these holidays. We know that from studying the Bible, that he made those pilgrimages back to Jerusalem at the appointed time. You say, why is it important for us to study? Why would we want to know about the Feast of Tabernacles? Because the Bible says when Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom to rule and reign for a thousand years, I believe, by the way, that's going to be in Jerusalem. By the way, I've got good news for every believer. You're going to make a trip to Jerusalem. It may be while you're here on earth, but one day the Bible says he's bringing his bride back with him. And we're going to come and rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. You say, why is it important for us to study? This is my last slide. The Bible says in the book of Zechariah, celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles during the thousand-year reign of Christ. This is what it says in chapter 14, verse 16. All the nations shall go up from year to year during that millennial period to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. During that thousand-year reign, 
all the nations of the earth are going to be required to pilgrimage back to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles. Somebody after the early service said, man, you better book your flight early. Can you imagine how crazy that's going to be for all the nations to pilgrimage back to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles? And when you're experiencing it, some of you are going to go, I remember that sermon. I remember this. This is really cool. Get ready to get, get happy. I don't want you to go through that without knowing anything about it. And so that's why we study, because one day for that thousand-year period, he's going to require all the nations of the earth to come back for the Feast of Tabernacles. Kind of sounds like it's for all of us. And by the way, you say, what happens if a nation decides not to go back? It says in Zechariah chapter 14, if they decide not to come back, he's just going to shut off the water. He's going to cause them to have a drought. Kind of sounds like he's twisting arms to get everybody back. I want to tell you, we serve a fantastic God. You know, every year at Thanksgiving, I, I love time with family. I love the four-day holiday. I love all that stuff. But I hope that we'll consider that last celebration in the Jewish calendar because it really does connect us with Thanksgiving and with Christmas. And it really is appropriate to talk about it, to think about it, and again, to incorporate it in some way into our Thanksgiving celebration. And so I want us, as we have just to kind of close our time together by celebrating communion. Did anybody here not get a communion cup and you would like to participate? Anybody here? All right, there's one in the back. Anybody else? All right, we got one over here. Okay, we got somebody up in the back. Just keep your hand up if you don't mind and they're going to get you one. If you're visiting with us and you're a born-again believer, we invite you to join us. I believe the Bible teaches we're each to examine our own heart. So I think this is just a personal commitment between us and Christ. And as they did on that first night, I love how the Bible says, Jesus lifted up his eyes and gave thanks. I believe if there's ever a time to be thankful, it's thinking back to the cross and the ultimate price that God paid. You know that Jesus loved you so much that he was willing to come and die on the cross for your sin so that you could have an eternity with him. That really is amazing. That's why I think it would take that eight days a week to somehow try to say to God how much we love him. And so taking communion is a time to give thanks. And I'd like for us, if we can, let's just look up and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So Jesus said that each time you take the bread and the cup you're to proclaim his death so we look back to that cross look back to that gift that he gave when he died for us Jesus said we're to do it until he comes back so we're proclaiming one day he is coming back I think these three fall feasts will come into play when he comes back that's my opinion the Bible says we're to look within and to examine our own heart but we're also to look around and consider the body of Christ. So if you have your cup, if you will, turn it with the juice down and pull back that tab and get out the wafer. And then turn it back with the juice up and pull back that tab. 
And we're going to take both together in just a moment. But on that first night, as they passed out the communion, Jesus said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, again, you proclaim my death until I come again. I hope it never becomes routine for you to celebrate the greatest gift ever. The greatest act of love for God to show his love. The verse we love to quote, for God so loved the world he gave. God loves you so much. I hope this year as we celebrate Thanksgiving into Christmas, I hope you'll think about the Feast of Tabernacles. There's so much we can apply and be thankful for in our day. So as they did on that first night, let's take the bread and the juice and let's just give thanks to God. stand together if you will on your way out today if you don't mind just putting these in the trash can we would appreciate it and also a reminder if you don't have plans uh, the church has a Thanksgiving meal for everyone down in the lighthouse we'd love for you to stay the church covers all the costs it's just a very small way I'm just saying to our church family how much we appreciate. We've been very blessed and able to do it. And so we hope if you have time just to slip in and grab some lunch and just to enjoy some fellowship together. Hope you have a safe Thanksgiving weekend. If you're traveling, let's just pray for traveling mercies for friends and family. Hope you have a great celebration. And uh, again, look forward next week to hearing some about the Senegal trip. Let's pray together and then we're going to close out by singing Great is Thy Faithfulness. What a beautiful song and what a great time of year to just thank God for his faithfulness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters here today. And I pray not one person would leave this room without inviting Christ into their life realizing that Jesus died for our sin to ask him to forgive us and to come into our life and I believe he will honor that father may we all walk out of here as your children father may this be really one of the most amazing Thanksgiving seasons of all so fill us with your spirit give us a spirit of joy as we celebrate all your faithfulness to us in Jesus name amen